speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is just your cross to bear. How many times have we heard that saying or thought this to ourselves throughout our lives? It's usually said by someone who genuinely wants to help you out, and it usually comes up around some sort of unpleasant situation or ongoing burden that we are facing. Most people think of it as some kind of comforting catchphrase, this is just your cross to bear. After all, the cross that Jesus bore led him to his death for our sins. So surely whatever you're going through can't be as bad as that, right? It's like we're trying to use the cross of Christ as some kind of justification for our own misfortunes. Like the cross we laud and use as our triumphal banner is somehow also supposed to be something that oppresses us or keeps us from living into our full potential. Let me be upfront when I say that I do not buy any of those misconceptions. In fact, I don't think they can be further from the truth. But if you're still not quite sure what to think about, this is just your cross to bear, don't worry. Because as we'll see, even Jesus' closest followers and his disciples didn't understand him when he was trying to explain the cross that he was trying to bear. If you remember back to our Gospel reading last week, the reading that immediately precedes this morning's lesson, Peter had just answered Jesus' million-dollar question, Who do you say that I am? Peter, through that divine revelation from God, answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It was the perfect answer. Jesus then goes on to tell Peter that he is blessed and that he will be the rock on which Jesus will build his church. If you think about it, it's probably the best thing that any disciple of Jesus could ever wish to hear. And I imagine Peter was most likely pretty happy with himself. But then things changed really quickly. The whole tone of Matthew's gospel shifts. And even though our lectionary selection this morning leaves out the first few words of verse 21, I think it's worth hearing that verse in its entirety. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. This was the beginning of the end. And everything else that Jesus would do from this point would point towards Calvary. Can you imagine what must have been going on through the minds of the disciples when they heard Jesus say this? The same Jesus who they had seen perform miracles and who had just spoke of building his church on the earth, was now talking about his impending persecution and his execution. It's no wonder then that Peter, who was quickly coming down off cloud nine, could not or did not want to believe what he was hearing. God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. 
It's as if Peter, with his newly bestowed authority, is trying to use it against Jesus when he tells Jesus that what he's saying cannot be true. There's no way that the Messiah, the Son of God, could possibly be put to death by human hands. It's just not the way Peter or the other disciples thought things were going to work out. In their minds, Jesus was the great king, who, like the prophets had foretold, would destroy their oppressors and establish God's kingdom on earth, maybe through force and perhaps even a mighty battle. What a shock to their hearts and souls to hear Jesus talk like this. Now it appears that Peter, the rock of the church, had become Peter, the stumbling block to Jesus, and he is the divine plan. You see, the methods through which God's kingdom would come to the world was not going to be through brute force or a powerful army, but through the ultimate act of self-giving. Jesus had just revealed to them perhaps the greatest gift and act of love from God to God's people. And yet, like many of our own encounters with God, they failed to recognize or understand what was actually happening. Peter and the disciples were focused only on the human things. The suffering of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the loss of their teacher and their leader, and perhaps their own persecution from the authorities. Jesus goes on to tell them that if they really want to be his followers, they're to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. But that's where we run into our confusion this morning. What does it really mean to take up one's cross? Are we called to shoulder the burdens of the world like Christ and just grin and bear the unhappiness that life throws at us? Of course not. This call to take up our cross does not mean that we're supposed to look for and take on new burdens so that we may somehow earn the love of God. We already have that, with no caveats and no strings attached. Instead, Jesus calls us to join him in his death to sin, and in doing so, be born into everlasting life. Instead of adding to our already overstretched and overly complicated lives, by taking up the cross of Christ, we are compelled to begin to let go of the things that keep us at a distance from God. The disciple who takes up the cross is one who is willing to surrender pride, ego, status, and comfort for the kingdom of God. And like the disciples in this morning's gospel, one of the greatest temptations we have is also one of the hardest things to let die. And that's our temptation to impose our own wills on God. To play out in our minds exactly how God should be working in our lives. And then, of course, to get upset and 
angry at God because God didn't adhere to the plans that we had made for God. But as difficult as a calling to be a follower of Jesus may sound, we thankfully have some pretty good examples of how God's unfailing grace and mercy can guide us along the way. Just look at Peter. Talk about a roller coaster of faith. One second he's the rock, the next he's Satan. In a later setting, he denies Jesus three times, only to go on and affirm him just a short time after. But each time he faltered, Peter learned something about God and about God's relationship with him. God often seems to work through our own doubts and fears. I mean, we're only human, and God certainly knows how flawed we really are. But no matter how many times we think we lose our faith, or even become a stumbling block to someone else, God will always be there. Each time we deny ourselves the selfish and self-serving things that our world tells us we should partake in, God is there. This is the cross we are given to bear. The cross that leads from death to sin to eternal life. May we all bear this cross. And in doing so, may God lead us all to perfect freedom.